calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Toddcast Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and at ToddHancock.ca. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, <laughs> I'm buddy. Good to see you, man. Been a while. How's your life? Yeah, man. How's your life? You okay? Yeah, pretty good. You know, life's, uh, yeah, I guess we haven't talked since uh, COVID, eh? Yep. Yep. It's almost yeah. like we went went through something crazy. I'm just trying to see if I can figure out how to turn the volume down on the headphones here because it's a little... Oh, sure. Maybe it's little, just on the uh, top uh, top right of the keyboard there. Can you just uh, toggle down on those? Uh, yeah, we we looked, there? but it but it looks like uh, because he's on PC here. It's um, a whole. Oh, there you go. Ah, oh, there we go. Nice. There you go. Sick dicks. <laughs> oh, I think I did. Let me just try again here. Paul, two sex. You talk again there, there, Tom. Uh, yeah, yeah, there yeah. Thanks, Paul. Day, day. Okay. Beauty. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I guess let's tackle that. Uh, I, w- I wasn't even sure if I was going to talk to you about COVID. It's been, you know, a couple of years now, but what's COVID man. Never heard of it. How did, how did you fare through the whole ordeal? I was, can you hear me still? Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was busier than I've ever been in my life. And I think, um, yeah. continue to be, there was really a, it felt like because we were in the midst of a tour when it all went down and there was a part of me that that as soon as i got home i'm pretty convinced i had it straight out of the gate they took me to the hospital as soon as we got out of the um uh, out of uh graceland is where we left from and you know i was just i was in quarantine for a couple of weeks and during that time i was like i guess i felt like i saw the writing on the wall i i thought the industry's already shot and you compound that with the pandemic and, and you know, how am I going to feed the family essentially? So I went into, um, I went into kind of red alert mode and we started doing a lot of streaming concerts from the house and we did a bunch of charity, uh, uh, concerts on that front as well that were successful. And that sort of put me in a position where I could then just keep doing that format. And so I did a ton of those things. And then I, I, uh, wrote and I did a really big project with 60 collaborators that was very strange I called the puzzle and then I um, did a record called light work and none of these things were expected as <laughs> as you well know and then um, and during that time I moved as well and built a 
a house and um and i've been just pile it on dude it's been insane but i'm almost at a baseline now in a strange way that i can start to uh reconnect with with where things were and and start to take stock of what's next right Mm, yeah, how about yourself we're kind of all like that i think like same for me man like it I, I almost stopped the podcast because of you know covid and losing sponsors and like i'm <sighs> spending all this time and i'm I'm missing my kids hockey practice or i totally you know, brother I can't do this like fuck what's it worth like I, I don't get me wrong i love doing the podcast but like if it's gonna make it so that i can't see my kids and well, i, I think that the- compensated right have to be uh, I think that experience is one that a lot of people sort of share, right? There's a sense that um, uh, uh, amidst all the chaos of the of the pandemic, there's it became clear where the priorities should be. Yeah, I think you know, although I was very busy during during the course of the pandemic, I was also around my family constantly, and I was also around my parents, and so I had an opportunity to kind of um, kill two birds with one stone in that sense. But there's a lot of people I know that just kind of quit the industry. They just they just realized that the the nature of the work up to that point is is just untenable. Now you can't just continue beating yourself over the head with work when you see mortality so clearly, right? Dude, it totally. And and you know, over over that time, I probably talked to like 50, 60 musicians, right? And like a good chunk of that number just lost their creativity, lost their means, man. I found, I, I didn't find I lost it. I just found that I had to be very strategic with when I was, uh, when I was um, willing to create. And, and the reason for that, I think, is because um, anytime you write anything that's, that's meant to appeal to other people, it's got to be based on some sort of... Uh, emotion that people are sympathetic to and it just seemed like if there was anything that happened throughout the pandemic is everybody got so insular that our experiences became so idiosyncratic that it became hard to relate to people you know we, we have the one thing in common for sure you know we're all in the pandemic and there's like a lot of fear and division and all this but really everybody just kind of turtled away and, and maybe somebody in their family went crazy or maybe somebody died or or, or whatever it was but it became hard to find common ground uh, conceptually, I found. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started touring again where I was able to sort of reconnect with the things about the work that makes it appealing to others. For example, that project I did during the puzzle was essentially about the pandemic, but it was it was such a insular and, and, and strange project that I was able to really go far into my own process for that I realized by putting it out that well there's not a lot of people that are going to relate to that so uh you know I think it was it was interesting uh like you say there's a lot of people that just just kind of lost the muse and I don't find I did lose it but I did have to make sure it was in the right place mm-hmm. yeah and, and what was that first show back like do you remember oh where God. you were where it was all that yeah so we got offered the opportunity to headline this festival in the uk called bloodstock um <laughs> you know folk festival yeah and um clearly yeah yeah man um but i had to quarantine for two weeks so we went to the hotel and, and um i had to get a uk band to learn the, the material and a uk crew to do it so 
So I had to, I spent all this time sort of making all the tracks and all the, the learning that I could send off to a group of people that I had never played with. Like I didn't, I'd never played with any of these guys. And then we had three rehearsals and then a warm up show in Manchester. And then this, we headlined this big festival, man, with a bunch of people I've never met. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was a certain point during that process where I remember thinking like, man, this, this year is, this past few years is fucking crazy, man. Like I can't, yes, yes. but it also is one of those things where because it had been so crazy when they offered the, the scenario, I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like we'll make it happen. Well, yeah. That's the worst that could happen. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so the first show was in Manchester and it was really weird, really weird. Cool though, but really weird. No one knew what to do. I didn't know what to do. The audience didn't know what to do. And then the next show was Bloodstock and it was this big outdoor festival and you know we're the last band on and to try and make it special for people we had uh, hired a bunch of people that had um, made um, animatronic elephants like these massive elephants and um, you know people dressed up like gorillas to try and replicate this video that we had done but again with no with no real um, rehearsal pulling that all together in the last moment was it was fun, man. It was, it was stressful, but it was, it worked. And, uh, and by the time that show was over, uh, I remember thinking, I'm glad we did this because I, I had forgotten how important, you know, cause you're connecting with people ultimately by, by making music and, and live music is where that really happens. It had been a while. Hmm. And it, you, you must be like in a good groove right now. You're out with uh, Dream Theater, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like that is a great bill, man. And yeah, leaders as well. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's really, it's really uh, humbling as well because <laughs> Dream Theater chose animals and us to do this and. I mean, it's a big vote of confidence for us because they're such a, they're a much bigger band than we are. So to have that endorsement by what is, I guess, arguably like sort of the top of that sort of prog rock, prog metal heap has been really, uh, like, I mean, I'm just very, I don't even know the word, man. I'm just very thankful for it. It's. There's been so much, so many times through my, through my career, it's like my work has been viewed as this kind of oddball thing that, you know, maybe the humor overshadows the work or, or what have you, but to have somebody say, no, we endorse this and, and here it is. And you can use our PA <laughs> in a right. sense, you know, it's like we're playing these, these really nice venues and we're in uh, Laval, Quebec today at, you know, Bell Place. It's this big, new arena and it's they've got this big new pa and they don't limit what we can do and what we can't what we can't do and and it's just it's very generous of them and it's been very very nice for us as well i have to say yeah the tour is rolling through vancouver on july 21st how many dates are you on there it's six weeks in total we've been out for about three three and a half now i guess yeah and um killer yeah, it is. It is. It's. It is a, a, a. It is a very strange mental state to be in to be on tour, though. 
especially after the pandemic and, and as I get older and, and I've got a bunch of things lined up for my next sort of uh, projects in, and it's not till 2025 and as such, it requires a lot of, a lot of prep. And to do the live show again, you really have to shift yourself. You have to leave home and you have to leave the kids and you have to leave the, the dog and the, the work and the parents and, and all this stuff. And, and it's like an alternate reality in a weird way. Um, and it's one that I, 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 you know, I'm adept enough at to do, but it's, it's, I, there's some people that live for that sort of thing. And the reasons why I like it is I love to play the music and I love to connect to people, but man, the whole touring lifestyle is I've never been you know, particularly great at it, right? Shitting in a truck stop after, you know, I had a bidet seat. I don't know if we talked about it last time, but that's what I had. I got it for, <laughs> I got it, I got it for Christmas a couple of years back and it's, you know, that's just like a, it's a small example of like, you know, when you're at home, you're like, oh yeah, the toilet's right there. And you just go take right. a shit. Yeah, you don't shit on the bus. Fuck you don't shit on, shit on the bus. bus. You don't shit on the bus. So when you're yeah. out here, like the first two weeks is me just remembering how to like navigate my internal poo-poo clock, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think I'm there. <laughs> did, did we talk about uh, your first concert when you were here in studio? Last I time? don't think so. What was your first concert? Johnny Cash at Expo 86. Johnny Cash. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. That's I incredible. loved it. What I do you remember about that day? You could have put a car cutout of him up there and he would have interacted with the audience about as much. <laughs> wow. Really? Eh? Well, it was June Carter Cash too. And she was like doing pirouettes around him. She was the one doing all the talking and he's just like playing Folsom prison blues, but yeah. But I love Johnny Cash. It was like a big deal for me too. So, so, but I guess the first real, you know, I'd seen Billy Joel and a bunch of other things, but the first real like metal concert that I saw was the injustice for all and, and the cult at, uh, at the P and E Coliseum. Okay. I must've been in grade 10 or grade 11. And, uh, yeah, I remember being like, wow, that's epic. <laughs> yeah, totally right. Because then justice is so like the time changes and like just insane songs. Well, it, was, it was even less about the bands as much as I really loved Metallica, which I did. You know, um, I wasn't even familiar with that album as much. I was mm. still stuck on a couple prior, but it right. was the environment. It just seemed so like I don't even know the word. So like the scale of, of the arena shows were just so interesting. It was like, it was like a, like a communal experience and it was like a real, um, I don't even have the words for it, but it was, I came away from it thinking that it was the environment that was so inspiring. It just seemed so massive. And, and, uh, it also made me realize at an early age, like, well, the, the resonance of a, of an arena or a big, a big place is going to translate certain types of songs better than others. Like if you're doing really fast, uh, you know, death metal or something, and you're in a bigger place, it just turns to mush because of the way that the reflections go. There's, if things are too fast, there's no time for the sound to travel. But if you ever saw Ramstein play live, uh, regardless of what you think of the music, they structured their music for that environment. 
And so if you notice every snare hit, there's enough time for the resonance of the snare hit to like get to the back of the room. So like pow, pow or whatever. And as a result, they sound really good in those places where, you know, uh, maybe deicide wouldn't as much. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember even at the time with that Metallica show being like, oh, that's really interesting. The slower parts sound really big, right? So I ended up writing a lot of the material that I wrote on the Ocean Machine record based on that experience, I think. Mm. Yeah. It, it, we talked about, uh, you know, working with Chad Kruger last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I got a bunch of fan questions um, for this time around. Sure. And Claire wanted to kind of know how he got involved and all that kind of stuff. I know we I know we talked about that in the last one, but maybe just to kind of refresh this thing. Sure. Well, it's interesting, you know, it's like, um, it's a small industry and much smaller the longer you stay in it because you have to be either sociopathic or stupid or both to be involved with it for as long a, as we have. B or C. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, or all three, which I'm yeah. probably going to have to vote for. But it became really in vogue for many years to bash on, on Nickelback. And, uh, and I had um, been critical of him because I had heard that he was critical of my work years ago. And so I was just like, all right, fuck that guy or whatever. But then, you know, 25 years passes or whatever. And, um, and then I had heard the new song and I remember thinking, oh, they're really good. And then I saw them play live. And I was like, dude, this band is really good. This isn't, this isn't like, um, you know, an ironic statement to say that that's a talented group of guys. Right. And so I, um, I put up a, a thing on Twitter saying that I said, you know, maybe I've been critical in the past, but, uh, I was wrong about that. And I think they're actually really talented and I think they're really a good band. And I just put it up on Twitter without thinking much about it. And then I got a text from him. I guess he got my number from a mutual friend. I said, Hey, you know, I saw that you wrote something nice and, and, and I just want to say, I appreciate it. I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I was critical in the past, but I had heard that you had kind of been critical of my work and he goes, Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> so at that point I was like, Oh, maybe we can hang out. So we spent a bunch of time hanging out and, um, and then he sang on, on the empath record. But I also realized really quickly with, with Chad that it's like the reason why he's the success that he is and the reason why he is as popular and has sold as many records as he has and is able to write these songs that he, he does is because he's wired in a way that I'm just not. Like he's uh, a very dominant personality. He's really intense and he's frighteningly intelligent. You know what I mean? It's really... And then after a while, I, I just found that when we kind of investigated each other for a while, like a couple of strange insects, I think that there was a mutual respect. But, but uh, I think at that point, we were like, okay, I think what we've both needed to see here, we've seen. <laughs> and so it remains that I've got a lot of respect for the guy. And I think he's, I think he's a genius, but, um, but uh, also he's so much more heavy metal than I'll ever be, dude. Like spending time with him i was just like by the end of it i was like dude i'm exhausted like i just want to listen to like yoga music and hang out with my kid you know what i mean I, 
yeah, I yeah. can't do this. I'm not rock and roll, man. Just a metal I'm, overload. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience because it made me realize how unqualified for that kind of position in the industry I actually am. I can't do that. It's like, I don't want to do that. So, yeah. so thanks, Chad. And so how long was he in studio with you, uh, you know, doing some backup? Backups. He didn't. I just sent him some tracks, and he woke up one day completely hungover, and and screamed him into a mic and sent him back to me, saying, "I don't know how these sound. I was, I'm 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 still drunk," <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> and it sounded great. He's got a super strong voice, and uh, yeah, and that was it, man. I think it's like you know, I got so much respect for like, the the process of writing commercial music it's an art form and it's not a it's when it's as much a science as it is an art and uh i can't do it like it's not what i do and it's it's i'm fascinated by people who not only can but do it with heart and that's that's where he's he's at but i also realized that i I, it's not my scene you know and uh it was good for me to learn that actually because perhaps on some level i i i thought it would be interesting to to try it like maybe who knows like Maybe I would be good at it, but it was through my experiences with Chad where I recognized that that he's in the position he is in his life and in his work because he is who he is, and that's that's how that that's what it is, man. You know, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. But I'm, you know, Devin, tell us tell us about uh, Dream Peace. Yeah, that's that's the fundamental difference between Chad and I, I'd say. <laughs> I think, I think the reason why I've written brutal metal for much of my career is because I'm wired to be hypersensitive to my environment. Like everything affects me too much. Volume affects me too much. Um, food, people, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, it all affects me in ways that I watch other people. Like, how can you do that? Like it's, you know, people are like, now they're just like, oh, you know, Cannabis is legal. Just just take a gummy. It'll help you go to sleep. I know you got insomnia. So I'm like, all right, I'll take a gummy. And I just, it's like roulette, man. It just spins me out. I'm like, this, this is the opposite of what I was hoping for. <laughs> so as a result of me being that sensitive, I think I interpreted my environment in a way that when I wrote metal, it was like super extreme because that's, that's how I feel things. It's like everything's extreme all the time. But what I'm actually looking for beyond extremity is just peace. That's what I want. That's what I've been looking for since the beginning. So I started making ambient music um, specifically for to help me sleep. And so um, I set up a place in the studio and I have for many years where in the morning when I'm drinking coffee, I make loops on guitar. Oh, you see in the corner here, I can see uh, over there, like that's it. So oh yeah, yeah. The system, in the corner there, I yeah. have it set up everywhere, and I constantly make like the ambient music, and I never uh, thought of sharing it because I just used it to help me sleep. So at night, whatever I wrote in the morning, I put in the headphones while I'm sleeping, and I listen to it, and it, it helps me sleep. But then I started realizing, as over the course of the pandemic, as I've been working through all this material that I've been writing, and the last record I did is that actually that type of music I enjoyed doing as much or potentially more than any of the other things that I do. So I thought I would just release it. And so in a couple of weeks, 
Yeah, man. In a couple of weeks, it comes out. I've got seven albums full of material that it's just it's for meditation or yoga or, or helping people sleep. Yeah. And uh, I look yeah, forward man. to hearing it, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, on some level, I think people would listen to Alien or City from Strapping a Lad and be completely confused as to how it would come from the same person. But on the other hand, oh, totally. I think might some people might listen to Alien or City and be like, oh, that makes perfect sense why he's doing that now. <laughs> but I'm also doing, in 2025, I'm doing uh, a symphony with the Netherlands Orchestra and choir that I've been writing for a while called The Moth. It's like a full symphony with like, and you know, and I'm deep in the writing of that too. But Dude, that's so crazy, right? Like most people can't. Yeah, like put their head around like I know plans in 2025. I've got a bunch of people. I mean, I'm with you and it's not me that set it up. So that's probably why I can, yeah. I can, I can wield this in a conversation. Like I, like I'm doing it on purpose, but uh, it's the management that set it up. And, and so, yeah. and for me life. having, it's great though, man. It's like, I love, I love my work. I love being able to, to continue doing it. I love the fact that I'm surrounded by great people and, and, and that I'm able to, to do this. And I love the fact that, you know, the work that I've been doing on one day, we can spend time with, with people who write commercial music, like, you know, like, like Chad. And, and then the next day we're doing prog metal with dream theater. And then we're doing orchestra stuff. And then we're doing, you know, I, I go back to UK in a, in a couple of weeks and we do, a festival that's like a technical death metal festival and then you know what i mean it's like mm-hmm. i love it man i love music i really do i yeah, just first i just woke up too clearly so i'm sorry if i'm a little groggy man not at all, not at all. life's been good to me so far have you ever heard um, that song that he did called i like big tits have you heard that song by joe walsh <laughs> dude if you go on i'll go on um, youtube and go joe walsh i think it's i l b t it's they showed it to me the other day it's they wrote a song about big tits that's what it is so, yeah. who doesn't yeah well <laughs> and and so and where does like the ziltoid the omniscient like where does that fall into your day-to-day or like, like we just did a comic book series with ziltoid and for those who don't know i have a, I have a character that i've made a couple of records about uh, was an alien from another from the another dimension that looks you know uh, suspiciously like the skexis from dark crystal and uh and his whole modus operandi is to subjugate humanity so he can um he can get all the coffee from the planet because it's like dune i guess where it's the the um the thing that can help him bend space <laughs> and uh i guess i wrote him when my son was born because I couldn't figure out how that had happened. I mean, I, figured, I knew how it happened technically. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. But on a, but on like a fundamental level, it just like the whole idea of having kids is I'm sure you can relate to it. was just like after years of being a banana, just, it was like, holy fuck, man. Like, yeah, what is yeah. this? And so I guess I, I was compelled on, on an artistic level to, I guess, objectify that by making a creature that was sort of a representation of who I had thought I was during the whole strapping era. 
And so that could kind of say, okay, we're, what happened? And then I, you know, and then I wrote Ziltoid and, and then when I got through that part of the process, I guess I, I kind of, not abandoned him, but he's on a planet somewhere right now waiting to be called back. And I don't know if I'll call him back, but right they're now. telling me, they're telling me I got to wrap up because I got another, I got another okay. thing. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, Brother, right, it's great you, to see you, man. Your, yeah, your mustache you, and beard, buddy. man, is like... I know, right? It's, uh, it's awesome. Probably coming off for the summer, man. It's probably coming yeah. off. You doing so, okay, though? Everything all right? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Yeah, yeah. Life's yeah, good. You know, no no complaints. Um, you know, work's good. BCITs, uh, you know, the radio course is great. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Podcast is hauling along. I just got signed to a, a network out of uh, New York called Realm. No shit. Yeah, so things good for you, good. man. That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you, I, I mean, at some time, I hope to uh, to see you in person again. And, uh, you know, uh, congrats for making it through the past three years. And, and here's yeah, to another know. three. Subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify at Toddcast Podcast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.